Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salam ala rasulillah. Dear brothers and sisters, welcome back to Islamica. I'm your host today, uh, Fatima Barakatullah. And I'm answering your questions. Uh, brothers and sisters, have you noticed we're getting closer and closer to Ramadan? It's not very far away. Uh, I think it's a very good idea, as the uh, Sahaba and the Salaf used to do, to start preparing for Ramadan, right? Um, you know, plan out your year. Uh, and actually go into a different mode for Ramadan. Uh, start preparing what you need to do before Ramadan so that when Ramadan comes, you're in the optimal situation, inshallah, for making ibadah. Uh, some of the uh, Salaf used to increase in the number of fasts that they would do just before Ramadan so that they would you know, be in the practice of the fasting, etc., get a feel for it again. And, and find it easier in, during Ramadan. Uh, so I hope you're all uh, making your own preparations. So we had a question earlier uh, from a sister uh, on the phone line, and she said that, is it okay to give interest money uh, to charity, basically, to give, to give it to a hospital, I think she said. Well, look, the first thing to say about interest is that we should be, first of all, trying to avoid it as much as possible, right? So that means uh, if we've got a savings account, if, if we're saving our money, we should be putting it in the type of bank account or a type of investment. You know, there are investment accounts, Islamic ones now, um, that doesn't accrue interest. You know, that, that's actually what we should be doing. Uh, if, however, you happen to have, you know, some money that is from interest that you don't know what to do with, what, what should you do? Well, first of all, you should not benefit from it in any way, okay? So you should never use it for anything, for example, that will benefit you personally, things like your food, your clothing, your living, paying taxes, or any, anything that's gonna benefit you personally, you should not use that interest money for. The only thing you can actually do with it is to give it away in charity. So yes, you can give it to a hospital, you can you know, give that money away uh, to poor people even, um, you know, it's not haram for them, right? Once it's transferred hands, it's just money, right? But for you, it would be haram for you to benefit from it in any way. So yes, you should try and just give it away um, to any kind of charitable cause. And you wouldn't even be expecting reward for that, you know, because interest money is so despised by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's something that we're basically trying to clear our wealth from, right? We're trying to just get rid of it. Uh, so, inshallah, I hope that answers the question. Um, and we should avoid giving it to, for example, a masjid for building the actual masjid, you know? Or, yeah, uh, although it can be used for things like, I don't know, building certain facilities in a masjid uh, that are not the actual, you know, uh, main building of the masjid. So hope that answers the question. Um, have another question here. How were the names of the Islamic months derived? Because I intend to add them to the calendar so that people can learn them. But I want to know the ruling on doing this because these months, as far as I know, were known before Islam appeared. Okay, so, you know, there are 12 
months in the Islamic calendar. Uh, they are uh, the lunar calendar, which is basically, you know, the, the moon's movement around the earth rather than the solar calendar, which is the, the, the calendar that, you know, the mainstream calendar in, for example, Western countries, uh, which is a solar calendar, the, the, the movement of the earth around the sun, right? So now uh, those months, the months that we know, you know, Muharram, Safar, Rabi, Allah, etc., the Islamic months, yes, they were already established before Islam. Uh, they are historical, historically named based on various reasons. Like every, every single month has a different story behind it. Like something that happened in, Islam, in Arabic history, in Arab history, um, you know, in, sometimes it's to do with wars. Sometimes it's to do with uh, the seasons, something that was happening at the time, uh, some famous event that happened etc etc so each of the months do have a different story uh, however once islam came the prophet ﷺ didn't get rid of the months you know the months are the months they the muslims uh, continued using the names of the months uh, and there was no problem in that however the prophet ﷺ did give uh, for example with ramadan with certain of the other months a, a different status right uh, based on uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's guidance. So there's nothing problematic about the months and their names. It's just a historical fact that they were named in a particular way. Um, and so I hope that answers your question. Inshallah. I have another question here. When getting to know someone for marriage, how compatible do you have to be? How compatible do you have to be? Okay, I guess, um, okay, th th this is a very good question. You know, how do you know if you're compatible with somebody for marriage? And of course, there is an element of subjectivity there, right? This, it's not like, there's no um, one size answer for that question. However, I can give you some pointers, some things that you might want to look out for. Uh, compatibility or kafa'a is something that is uh, something that the Sharia does uh, or has traditionally encouraged us to uh, think about, you know. So <clears throat> compatibility can be from different angles. Are you compatible in your age? You know, uh, that's something for you to personally think about. You know, is the is the age difference between you going to be a big deal? Um, is it kind of appropriate? Is it something that you're going to be able to live with? Uh, maturity, uh, mental, uh, you know, intelligence as well. Sometimes, you know, you, you want to have, you want to marry somebody who you feel you can have a conversation with, who's on a similar wavelength to you Islamically. Uh, there might be certain other elements you want to consider like language and cultural elements. Now, sometimes people, you know, especially those of us in, in our generation, those of us brought up in the West, we sometimes kind of ignore or think it's not important to think about culture and language. And although culture and language are not the most important thing when we're thinking about uh, marriage, uh, it's not, it, we, we can't also say that they're nothing, you know, they do actually affect people, right? Some people would actually like to be able to speak to their spouse's family 
in in their native language, right? Or like their spouse to be able to speak to their parents in their native language. Or there might be certain cultural things that you, you don't even realize that you've been brought up with that are really important to you in your culture that somebody in another culture wouldn't necessarily think are that important. Now, that's not necessarily a reason not to consider somebody compatible, but it's definitely worth thinking about. You know, it's definitely worth at least thinking about that. You know, is this something that I'm prepared to uh, live with? Are these differences things that I'm prepared to live with? And mashallah, many brothers and sisters do live, you know, in culturally diverse families and uh, they've adapted and, and, and thrived in those situations. But I'm just mentioning the things that you might want to at least think about when it comes to compatibility. Um, what I would, in summary, tell you to do is to make a list of, of the things that you're willing to negotiate on and the things that you're not willing to negotiate on, you know? And if you can do that, then inshallah, when you meet somebody for marriage, you can you know, see, okay, do they fulfill the things that are must-haves for me? And do they fulfill the things that are nice-to-haves? So yes, religious compatibility is the most important, okay? However, you know, other things like beauty, like uh, wealth, that's what it was, wealth, lineage, those things are things that people usually take into account, you know, what kind of family are you from, etc. But the most important thing, of course, is uh, religious compatibility. Other areas of compatibility are important as well, and it's really quite subjective. So inshallah, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help you with that. I have another question here. How much does attraction matter? Okay, before, before I answer the question about attraction, I'm going to go straight to our caller. Assalamu alaikum, caller. Alaikum salam, Sheikha. Um, I have a question. Yeah, when first, first of all, Jude, sister, tell us your name and where you're calling from, if you don't mind. Uh, my name is Evelyn. I'm calling from Hertfordshire. Okay, mashallah. Yeah. So well, I, my question is, when you're performing sujood, is it wrong for the nose to touch the ground? When you're performing sujood? Is it wrong for the nose to touch the ground as well? Okay, is it wrong for the nose to touch the ground? Okay, Jazakallah okay. for your question. Okay. Thank shukran. you so much. Jazakallah. Jazakallah. Okay, so to answer Sister Evelyn, I think her name was her question, yeah, the nose should touch the ground when we're making sujood. Yeah, so, you know, the nose, the forehead, the hands, the knees, and uh, the feet should all be touching the ground when we are making sajda. Okay, so I hope, hope that answers that question. Going back to our question about attraction. A sister asks, how much does attraction matter? You know, what if I'm not attracted to somebody, but they have other good uh, qualities or characteristics? Well, look, again, it's very subjective, right? Um, different things are attractive to different people. Uh, but here are some general pointers I would give. Of course, one of the purposes of marriage is to satisfy our sexual desires, right? And, that, and for that, you usually need to be attracted to the person, right, who you're going to marry. So I wouldn't disregard attraction. Attraction is important. You know, we already mentioned, the Prophet said, 
that a woman is married for four things, her beauty, her lineage, her wealth, and her religion. Uh, but he, he obviously emphasized the religion, but it doesn't mean that the other elements like beauty, etc., are nothing or that they don't need to be regarded or that they aren't important to people, right? In fact, the Prophet ﷺ encouraged um, a man when he was going to get married to look at the lady who he was going to marry, right? So, and, and of course, the reason for that is to build some kind of attraction, right? When there's some attraction, then inshallah, uh, that is kind of laying, paving the way for a fruitful marriage. We just have to be a little bit careful because we're living in a culture and a time when we're constantly bombarded with images, aren't we? We're constantly bombarded. And so our uh, ideal, ideals regarding attraction can sometimes be quite warped. Uh, so that's something to bear in mind, you know? And this is why the Sharia encourages us to lower our gazes, you know? If you lower your gaze, you protect yourself from seeing so many different types of people, so many different ideals and of attraction and of beauty that can sometimes warp your own natural, uh, your natural sense, you know, of what is attractive and not. So lower our, lowering our gazes helps us to feel attracted to an average person, actually, and vice versa, right? For men to feel attracted to women and women to feel attracted to men. Because the average woman is attractive to the average man and the average man is attractive to the average woman. Except when we have kind of warped our... Uh, sense of attraction by bombarding ourselves and ex exposing ourselves to a lot of this stimulus, you know, that is actually very harmful for us, uh, visual stimuli. Just be aware also that sometimes somebody might not be very attractive immediately, okay, but the attraction grows over time, you know. So sometimes if you marry somebody, if you're generally attracted to them and they've got lots of good qualities and you marry them, then actually the attraction can grow because obviously once you're married, you're both able to express yourselves more and you can see each other's qualities, etc., etc. So I think it's really something that you have to uh, weigh up. You have to think about all the different elements of what makes somebody attractive. Um, and through that, inshallah, you can make your decision. But generally speaking, attraction is something that we should consider. Uh, and that's important because it, then it helps us to lower our gazes once we are married, right? I do have a caller, so I'm going to go straight to the caller. Assalamu alaikum, caller. Wa alaikum salam. Dear sister, please tell us your name and where you're calling from. My name is Habiba. MashaAllah, Habiba. And I'm calling from Scotland. MashaAllah, how are you, sister? I'm fine, thank you. What is your question, sister? How can I help? Uh, my question is regarding Salah. When um, it's just a requirement for the elderly, when they pray, mm -hmm. they have incontinence of urine. So how that make your salah valid or non-valid? How that works? Okay. Jazakallah khairan for your question. Thank you yes. for that question, inshallah. Okay, I'm going to try and answer that question very, very quickly, inshallah, before the end of the show. So 
of course, when somebody is ill, then they have an excuse, right, for uh, maybe uh, certain things can be overlooked. So they do still have to pray, okay? So even if a person is incontinent, uh, as long as they can pray and they're conscious, and they should pray. And if the incontinence is like, you know, uh, temporary, if it's only at certain times, then of course they can uh, clean themselves, make wudu for each prayer and pray. But if it's a continuous thing, then inshallah, you know, it's a darura situation. It's a situation where there's a necessity and they should just wear something that will uh, protect the, themselves from urine and they should make wudu and pray, you know, for each salah. Uh, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Jazakumullah khairan, brothers and sisters. Until next time, salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu ati'u allaha wa ati'u al-rasoola wa ulil amri minkum fa'in tanaza'atum fi shay'in farudduhu ila allahi wa al-rasooli in kuntum tu'minuna billahi wal-yawmi al-ahir